Welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber, and I'm sitting here with Anna Chazinski, Andrew Hunter-Murray, and James Harkin. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days, and in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, Andy. My fact is that to be a tennis umpire, you have to learn a 230-page book. (laughs) It's <laughs> a rule book specifically yeah, it's, it's not a novel <laughs> uh, And this is specifically the uh, the US Tennis Association So over in Britain we've got the Lawn Tennis Association Which is a slightly different thing ah, Is there more or fewer rules do you think for the lawn one? I don't know I haven't It's going to be similar isn't it? Probably a similar length yeah. Yeah. Um, But I have been reading the rules of Wimbledon mm. and yeah, So is Wimbledon the same Guidebook? Wimbledon is lawn tennis, so ah, there's a slight... Yes, of course. I've changed horses almost immediately, in this fact. <laughs> I think the rules are generally going to be the same, aren't they? Yeah. It's not like in Wimbledon you're allowed to kick the ball over. <laughs> in American tennis, you have to hit it outside the lights. Right? <laughs> um, when they have to learn it, do they get tested on it? Do they have to memorise the whole thing? Do they, can they not keep it as a reference kind of in their pocket? Well, and check I, it as they go through? I used to be a football referee. I was qualified as a football referee, and you have to do an exam. Mm-hmm. So you really only have to learn what comes up on the exam yeah. really it's not it's kind of like a dri- saying for a driving test you have to learn a 500 page book on the rules of driving but actually you can't recite that from start to finish can you can't yeah. you can't you go on <laughs> that's why you're constantly crashing your car around the place whereas <laughs> <laughs> i who am constantly referring to a 500 page book <laughs> go on give us some rules all right um so I think it's quite well known that at Wimbledon you can get fined for swearing. Yes. Can you? Yeah. You I get fined $20,000 if you swear. Does it depend on the word? No. Oh, so you might as well use the strongest one. You might as well, yeah. <laughs> but if Is you that, got... That's if you're a player, right? If you're a player. Okay, so yeah. you're just walking around the grounds, oh, fuck, it's overcharged me for my beer, and they take you away. <laughs> 20000 Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That could have bought you one punnet of strawberries. <laughs> um, no, if you go out in the first round, though... That is nearly half your winnings you would have spent on swearing once. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. wow. And the umpires uh, and the staff, they have to learn swear words in other languages in case a Latvian tennis player swears in Latvian. Oh, that makes so funny. much sense. Yeah, It's interesting about the people being paid if you lose in the first round, because that was in the news last week, because people were losing in the first round injured, and they knew they were injured going into it, but they've turned up and played anyway, and then just given up halfway through to get the money. And the thing is, they've worked to get there. You know what I mean? Over the whole year, they've got their rankings high enough that they get to where they are. So they kind of, it's fair enough, I think. I, I think it's totally fair enough. Well, it'd be like one of us turning up with no facts. That's me every week. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, but every week we find you £20,000. But Dan, over the last three years, has done enough to earn his place and done enough to just turn up with no facts. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what's bad, though, is the fact that tickets to Wimbledon cost a fortune. To get centre court as well, you're paying huge amounts of money well in advance. Mm. So on this particular day we're talking about, in this current Wimbledon competition, Federer was playing. So you're thinking, I get to see Federer, centre court of Wimbledon. This guy pulls out 25 minutes into the match or so next match Djokovic comes on same thing happens guy yeah. pulls out yeah. so you've you've got center court tickets for two of the great tennis players of our time 
And you do expect that in the first round. Don't get Santa Court tickets in the first round. But also, <laughs> what? This yeah. is, Anna only gets them for the final and the semi. Yeah. The box. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, it's ridiculous, but there just should be rules. It's stupid to imagine that an individual should yeah. make that decision. There just needs to be a health check. So in normal tennis, um, that's not the Grand Slams, they do have the rules. So if you're injured but you've already qualified, you get your money and then like a substitute comes in and they play and they only get money if they win. So if they lose, they don't get anything. But if they go through to the second round, they do get money. And oh, then but think- they, they don't play under your name. You mean they're right? <laughs> <laughs> they have to put on a mustache if you've got a mustache. And- Learn these swear words in my language. And- <laughs> um, but I think it was, it might have been the other Randy Murray's idea to do that and they brought it in this year as a trial mm. and it seems to be working quite well. That's cool. Uh, okay. I like that. The other Randy Murray. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who's been the other Andy Murray until now, literally now, when you just said that. Um, but just on the swearing thing quickly, yeah. there is another rule, which is about visible obscenity, mm. which I had, I'd never read before. Mm. And so uh, it's this. For the purposes of this rule, visible obscenity, stop doing that, James, with your hands, is, <laughs> is Visible obscenity is defined as the making of signs by a player with his hands and or racket or balls that commonly have an obscene meaning. <laughs> <laughs> and does it define what they mean by balls in that situation? <laughs> <Does> it? <laughs> There's even a rule on abuse of balls. Abuse of balls. Yeah. yeah. Players shall not violently, dangerously, or with anger hit, kick, or throw a tennis ball. Because that happened. Was that Tim Henman did that once? Yes, he's the first player ever to be kicked out of Wimbledon for... Um, yeah. What? No. Yeah, because you... Um, so another thing that swearing does for you is if you don't get a fine, you get a penalty point, And you can be penalised out of a match. So there's a, there's a famous <laughs> yeah. example of a guy um, called Bryden Klein... He was facing a guy called Sam Groth, and during the match, he served, and this was in the final game. He was losing, served it into the net, and just yelled out, stupid, stupid person, talking about himself, he claims. But the umpire said, I don't know who you directed that at, but that's rude. You've been given a penalty point, and because he got one earlier in the match, the match was over. They didn't even get to finish the match. Stupid, stupid person. Yeah. <laughs> stupid, stupid it's person. very rude in Latvian. <laughs> yeah. The funniest bit about it, though, is that he looked to the other player to say, hey, come on, like, bail me out here. Right. Like, I, you and? know, that was me. The guy said, I'd like to help you, but it's too tough to call from here. And he pointed to the lineswoman. And so the guy who said stupid, <laughs> stupid person said, she's a 60-year-old lady wearing like a... And then he stopped himself because he's like, ooh, I'm about to get another penalty <laughs> I read some of the rules. Um, this is for normal tennis, which is not Wimbledon. Um, one of them is quite good. The event organiser has to announce how many balls they'll have um, before the event in play at any time. Okay, and the number of balls for play is either two, three, four, or six. Mm. Ooh. I want to know what happened with five. Why? Why not five? Oh yeah. Why not five? Very I weird. Completely understand that. Though. Is it to do? With, it's to do yeah. with how many are in a can. You wouldn't open a new can for just one ball, I guess. But you Is wouldn't right? have two. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you wouldn't have seven either. There's just something that feels a bit wrong about it. So you're allowed two or three, but no other prime numbers. Is that I... what you're saying? <laughs> yes, that's exactly. What I... Yes, exactly. I think it might be Dan's explanation because you do get cans in three or four portions mm. you but then you wouldn't be able two. to get one and two either no, it doesn't make any sense no, a one tennis ball can would be a very sorry sight indeed <laughs> <laughs> like a tiny pringles <laughs> just on balls um i didn't know this but uh men and women tennis play with different balls 
No. The only reason that I read about this was that in March 27th at the Miami Open, Andy Murray, mid-game, complained to the umpire that he was playing with women balls. (laughs) (laughs) And the idea is that the female ball is much quicker, much speedier. You have so many dominant male servers in the game that it means that they're almost unreturnable. So the male tennis ball is a bit more fluffy, which means a bit more drag in the air, which means that it slows the game down. And uh, with the female balls, it just has way more speed on it. That is amazing. That's when I learned it as well, when Andy Murray complained um, about that. And I think the whole country went when he did that. What the hell? There are women's balls? Yeah. And I felt like Andy Murray had leaked something that maybe no one was supposed to know. Yeah, because I have read an article about the behind the scenes at Wimbledon, basically, and it refers to the um, the guy who is basically the ball master, mm-hmm. um, who's a man called Brian. And Wimbledon uses two lorries of balls every year. It uses fifty seven thousand wow. balls, oh, and they're wow. all kept at the same temperature in rooms under centre court. And um, apparently, they're now divided into men's and ladies' balls. And no one mentions Amazing. this. Yeah. But this is why I think the can argument for there being no five ball games can't be right because they've got a lorry load of them. Right? It doesn't really <laughs> matter about having five or six or seven. But right? do you think they're just balls, free <laughs> balls, stuffed into a lorry, and they open the lorry and they all cascade out? <laughs> I'm thinking of it as the world's greatest ball pit. Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly I'm thinking. The thing is, though, the lorry uh, carrying the ladies' balls actually drives a lot faster to get to Wimbledon. <laughs> It's got less fluff on the outside of it. (laughs) So one thing that they're really strict on at Wimbledon is clothing. And I didn't realise how many players have objected to this in the past. So Andre Agassi, so obviously at Wimbledon you have to wear all whites, which isn't the same at other Grand Slams. Mm. And Andre Agassi refused to play at Wimbledon until he was 21, which I know doesn't sound very old, but you know, he didn't play in the juniors or anything. <laughs> I, I, too, I too refused to play at Wimbledon until I was 21. <laughs> and I'm still refusing, actually. <laughs> Once they change that rule, I'll be you're in. in. Yeah. But yeah, he refused and then eventually he succumbed and said, oh, I'm obviously going to win this a bunch of times, so I'll play. But he used to wear denim shorts. <laughs> Shorts mm. to play his Grand Slams, which is an insane thing to wear. Um, there was a woman in Eugenie Bouchard, who I think still plays, um, but, but Eugenie Bouchard in 2015 got a dress code violation for there was a black bra strap showing. So there's only one mm. centimeter of any other color allowed at Wimbledon. And she <laughs> was wearing a white sports bra underneath because the rules say, as you will know if you've read this document, um, that any undergarments that either are or can be visible during play brackets including due to perspiration close brackets must be completely white as in make sure when you wet your white shirt you can't see a black bra underneath what if your perspiration gives you miscoloured stains (laughs) yeah what if you piss yourself Uh, yeah, well, I, I, imagine I don't the humiliation if you find 20 grand for pissing yourself on centre court yeah. especially as you go to the umpire I piss myself and they go that's another 20 grand <laughs> <laughs> actually last year there was controversy there was a Uruguayan player called Pablo Cuevas and he was accused of urinating into a ball can during a match ah. under his towel he was issued with a code violation, although Wimbledon Chiefs did say, and I'm quoting here, no urination was involved. Mm. So he just got so, his willy out. And put it in a ball can. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to cool it down during a match. That's true, yeah. 
I was playing tennis the other day and we lost a crucial point because uh, what ended up happening was my doubles partner hit the ball, didn't quite capture it, and hit it again in the same swing. You know, you're so allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that, it yeah. turns out. Reading this rule book, it says you are allowed to do that. We lost that crucial point. In the same swing? It has to be in the same follow-through, the yeah. same swing. So if, if, it, if you hit it and the ball bounces, obviously that's you can't do that. If you hit it away and you chase after it and you get it. Yeah. But if it's in literally the same motion and you just almost scoop it wow. slightly. Unlike golf, for instance, where if you do a double hit, that counts as a penalty. But Isaac, because surely once you hit it, it's moving away from you faster than the... It depends how it good depends. you are. Because sometimes <laughs> sometimes your first hit is only uh, a, almost a, um, a stopping point for it. So well, let's say it hits the rim of the racket yeah. and then it kind of slows down and then you kind of hit it with the strings. Yeah. So I, think, I yeah. think that's why it probably exists is because that does often happen. You, you rim it and then it hits the other bit of your racket and it's a double hit. So I've seen you play tennis, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you I, struggle with single hits, Andy. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, in Wimbledon, not only do they have 230-page rule book for the games, they have a rule book for the queue. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. It. Well, there's rules anyway. Oh, okay. You get um, given it in the queue as soon as you join. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because it. it's a main big thing, isn't it? The queue. People yeah. stay there for days. Uh, the rules are no barbecues, no gazebos, no music after 10 p.m., and any tent can only hold a maximum of two people. Why is that? Is it to or stop? three or four or six? But not <laughs> um, no, it's to stop having massive tents because there's only a certain oh. amount of space they want, you know. But couldn't you have a massive tent but only two of you in it? Well, again, that's the kind of thing that's trying to stop, I think. <laughs> oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, I've done the queue and they try to make it fun. It is, so you know, you start queuing at, I think we started queuing at four in the morning and we managed to get onto one of the very outer courts. So I don't think I've ever done anything fun that began at 4am. Except for if you've been up until four, right? Oh, yeah. There you go. I've never done that. <laughs> um, the thing about the uh, grass at Wimbledon I found out oh, yeah. is that so obviously they're very very I was about to say precious they're just very precise about the grasses and it's treated it's shaved by exactly a millimetre each week for 12 weeks but the guy who does it the head groundsman is called Neil Stubbley no. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so you would have to kneel down Oh, yeah. To make it stubbly. Yeah. Did you see that that study just came out that says you can predict who's going to win a tennis match based on the noises they make? Ah. And they're grunting. <laughs> if, if the noises they're making are, oh shit, <laughs> they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of similar. It's, uh, so they analysed a bunch of top tennis players and the pitch of the grunts they make and the higher pitch the grunts go, the more likely it is you'll lose. Um, and in every case, you get higher and higher. Um, you're getting less and less good at tennis. Funny. You don't grunt at all when playing tennis. Neither do I. Uh, no, well, I neither often... of you are elite <laughs> sports people. I do. Wow. I mean, I do sometimes say things like, that's another game to you, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people think that even though it's not against the rules, grunting is against the spirit of the rules. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because it basically gives you an unfair advantage, according to some people, over the opposition. It does. And Wasn't there a specific coach who's like known as the grunt coach? Yeah, he's called Nick Balettieri. Right. Uh, and he looked after Celes, Agassi, and Sharapova and the Williams sisters. And they're all big grunters. Uh, and he says that actually he doesn't tell them to do that. It just so happens to be the case that they do. Mm -hmm. um, but then other people think that he's telling them to do it because it stops you from being able to hear the sound the ball makes on the racket. Mm. And that might be able to give you some clue as to what spin might be on it or whatever. There was a study that did show that grunting makes people respond more slowly uh, in yeah. tennis. And yeah. so it is an unfair advantage. Um, I saw yesterday morning on the BBC, 
there was a little piece with David Attenborough, which was really exciting because he's very much um, involved with Wimbledon in a large way. So uh, Attenborough is the one who turned it into color television. And there were interesting things that happened with that. One is that's when they started using yellow tennis balls. Up until then, they used white tennis balls. And the mm. reason they started doing that is obviously color television. It was much more visual for people to see as wow. it was going along. And there was this other thing. I haven't been able to find it online, but it was said in this piece, which is that the trophy that they now use is not the original Wimbledon trophy. It's a different trophy because the original one just didn't look that good on camera. It was actually black and white. <laughs> it was a black and white trophy. <laughs> yeah, no, they started using this different trophy, which is gold. And so it, it's, it's more, more televisual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll get rid of that old coal and chalk trophy <laughs> that we've been using. <laughs> it looked great live, but <laughs> they also used, tennis courts used to be hourglass shaped, didn't they? Until... What? Wimbledon came along. I mean, so, really, really early tennis courts. Yeah, well, no, I, did, yeah. I didn't know until, that. So until Wimbledon was established, I think the first Wimbledon was in 1877. Um, that was when they decided to make them rectangular. But before that, they used to go in at the net. So they were like... A, is, is Wimbledon a kind of the originator of all these Grand Slams? Is it the original Grand Slam? I think, I think it was must the first. Be. Yeah. Must be, yeah. Because wow. before that, it was just croquet. Oh, it really beat out croquet. It's a bit sad. We could all. So the reason croquet disappeared was that they thought, let's start playing tennis on these croquet lawns a yeah. bit. And then everyone went, oh, this is a better sport, isn't oh, it? Took yeah. Also, the fact yeah. that croquet is a pretty shit sport. The world doesn't have a penalty. Penalty. Language. One more, you're out, mate. I think croquet is a great sport. You can be really devious and oh, yeah. not great. I think you see the true side of human nature when you play croquet. Where do you guys yeah. learn about football? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Uber CEO as in Uber's CEO, not, uh, <laughs> not the, the chief of not all the CEOs. Yeah, not yeah. the chief of all CEOs. But he's been involved in what people are calling a tennis scandal. Is he the current one or the one that he's just left? This is Travis Kalanick. Oh, yeah, he's the he one who left. just left. His biography on the website, uh, amongst many other things of what he's done in the past, also claims that he managed to rack up the second highest Wii tennis score in the world. Yeah. People are now claiming that they think that that's not possible yeah i think it's not yeah true. largely because there is no game called wii tennis you've got wii sports in which it's a game within it but that doesn't have a leaderboard so it can't be that there's another game which is called wii grand slam uh tennis and there's a third one which is called wii in your tennis ball <laughs> container <laughs> Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Chuzinski. My fact this week is that in Mexico, artists can pay their taxes in artwork. It's amazing. It's so weird. It's the only country where you could do this, unsurprisingly. Um, And yeah, it's this rule that's actually existed since, I think it's 1957 that it was first suggested. And it's the idea that um, artists, if they can't pay their taxes or don't want to, they instead donate a work of art as a portion of their sales. And so it's not even done on monetary value. The way it's done is that for every five pieces of art you sell you pay an additional one to the government. So if you sell up to five pieces of art, you pay one. And then if you sell more, it becomes like a progressive taxation system. And the maximum number you have to give to the government any year is five works of art. That's interesting. I wonder, so let's say you sell four incredible, massive works of art, and then you just do one doodle on a napkin. Does that count? Yeah. That's a great question. I don't think it does count, because apparently there is a committee to make sure that people don't take the piss. (laughs) There is. It's basically you have to give them an average one, which means you're paying 20%, I guess, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, they're not clear. I think it's a little bit more um, touchy-feely than that. So, yeah, there's this jury, which is 10 other artists who judge the quality of the painting and decide whether it's... For an artist, okay. that's got to be hard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
Oh, this one's a bit dodgy. What? <laughs> and some have been rejected in the last few years. There are some oh. famous artists who've had oh. their paintings rejected as taxes, which is pretty harsh. Um, but yeah, and then they go, okay, we'll, we'll accept this one as tax, sure. So in South Carolina, you can donate a deer carcass and get tax credit for it. There's a venison for charity tax credit. And so you don't pay tax on $50 if you donate a dead deer to the government. What? So wow. Is there nice? a box when you're doing your tax form of <laughs> yeah. just numbers, the amount of dead deers you've got in your garage waiting to be submitted? Yep. So hang on. You, so presumably hunting is allowed? Uh, yeah. Is it, it's not that you find a deer that's died of natural causes. I guess they'd have to accept that as well. I don't think they specify cause of death. Okay. They're not going to have a mortician for every single because <laughs> that comes in, are they? That would probably cost more than the $50 yeah. you're saving on no. the tax. But you would, you're right, you would hope that they test the quality of the venison because you don't want some old bit of rotting roadkill being sent to the charity. There's a committee of 10 chefs who actually... <laughs> Um, the World Bank and PricewaterhouseCooper um, came up with a check for who has the most complicated tax code in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way they did that is they imagined a hypothetical uh, ceramic flower pot manufacturer. <laughs> and this manufacturer has one building, two plots of land, one truck and 60 employees. Mm-hmm. And they work out how difficult it would be for that person to do their taxes. Okay. If you were in the Maldives, it would take you less than an hour to comply with the Maldives tax code. And in Brazil, it would take 2,600 hours what? to do it, which is 108 days of nonstop work. No. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. They've just got an incredibly complicated tax code. Uh, does, is there much tax avoidance in Brazil? Because I imagine that would surely encourage people to avoid tax. Well, that's the argument, isn't it? That why you should simplify your tax um, code in every country. Because in America, in 1913, their tax code was 400 pages. And now it's 70,000 pages, uh, which is about 280 times longer than the tennis law book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. (laughs) Um, But um, in India at the moment, for instance, they've massively... um, simplified their tax um a thing called gst where there's just four basic rates now whereas in the past all the different areas and villages would all Mm. have their different tax codes and they simplified it that's what we have in australia gst yeah Yeah. goods and standards tax exactly and um this is the biggest place that has ever done it so in india there's two trillion dollar economy with 1.3 billion consumers um but it's so important to them this has happened only in the last week or so uh there was a baby named gst (laughs) 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 that's great in australia apparently uh there's a queen bee tax Mm, if you sell, only queen bees pay. If you That's right. Uh, no, if you sell a queen bee for over $20, you have to pay 10% to the Come government. On, who's selling a queen bee for $20? That's, it feels <laughs> for over, a lot. For over. It feels like a lot for a bee. Are you joking? A queen, a queen bee? A queen bee? An individual still, bee, yes. That is, that's very I still distinct. think that's a lot for a bee. No, no don't be. That's so small. They produce a whole hive. I mean, diamond yeah. rings are quite small, aren't they? <laughs> well, how much do you think I spent on my wife's engagement ring? <laughs> That's why it's a hula hoop. I, I think that is a lot. Are you joking? They can no. yield so much, because they're so important, they'll yield so much I, honey, you'd make such a profit out of $20. I, I think the normal price would be hundreds of dollars for a queen bee. Yeah. Well, it's, that's what I paid for my last queen bee, and I just don't want you to be insinuating I was taken for a fool. <laughs> I don't know. Is the queen bee pregnant at the time? I think you might need a... A drone or two. Yeah, so then how much do you pay for that one? I think they're cheap. They're super cheap. Remember you could rent one? We did that years ago. That was one of our first facts on the show. Yeah. 
But that's what I mean, because to rent a bee is like one cent per hour per bee or something yeah. stupid like that. So yeah. the queen bee is comparatively a lot more than that. It is. And at the end of the day, they're all still bees. But if you, what, <laughs> if you leave a queen bee somewhere, yeah. it'll mm. attract a load of other bees. Oh, that's why right, they just so find them. That's why bees keep on, you see, you see a car covered in bees somewhere. That's oh, because right. there's a queen bee under the bonnet. So really what you're doing is you're paying for the queen bee, but actually you're getting hundreds of thousands of other bees. It's like a Sky TV deal, I imagine, <laughs> where you pay for Sky, but actually get loads of channels. Right. Except every channel is a bee. <laughs> <laughs> and Sky One is the queen bee, is it? Yeah, that's right. right. It seems expensive if you think you're just buying Sky One. <laughs> but you're actually getting loads of Sky TV. I do understand that now. <laughs> I'm glad I put it into terms you can understand. <laughs> did you finish your story or did we cut you off at Queen Bee? I think we extended it far beyond. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, the IRS in America, one of the things that's tax deductible for them is ransom Ooh. for kidnapped loved ones. If you pay <laughs> to have uh, your loved one returned, yeah, they that's tax deductible. That's it, brilliant. Oh, God, that's it's an brilliant. expense. Like, so that's not true in Britain because in Britain it's counted as a bribe and yes. bribes are illegal and you're not allowed to claim them back anything illegal but in America you can and was it John Paul Getty yes um, the third who, yeah who's um, one of his family were kidnapped and they ransomed him for X amount and he said he'd only pay Y amount and that was the maximum expense that he was allowed to claim or something like that yeah yeah. so John Paul Getty the third was kidnapped and it was his father who uh. said he would pay the ransom um, but only up to 2.2 2 million <laughs> because then uh, <laughs> that's the maximum that was allowed for tax deduction I'm sure did his son understand that he couldn't go above that otherwise it would be taxed I think he would have because I think he would have been brought up in the way that his dad conducted business Uh, I read that Warren Buffett submitted his first tax return when he was doing newspaper and milk rounds so like you know I think this guy would have been in a similar like oh that makes Mm. sense dad yeah I like the excuse of um, something my dad told me. Uh, so Ken Dodd was accused of not paying taxes for a while. He was accused by the Inland Revenue. And I feel like you, when you made that face, were doing an impression of Ken Dodd. I'm really sorry if that's not what you're trying to do. I wasn't. I once met Ken Dodd. Yeah, he was at uh, the museum, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he said to me, do I know you? And I said, I don't think so. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know you. We were on the same police lineup together, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> funny guy. Yeah, he is funny. Um, so apparently he, the Inland and Revenue said you haven't been paying us for years and he said I didn't think it applied to me I live by the seaside did he? Oh, that's funny no no Doddy oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke Andy I would I don't sorry. know <laughs> uh, in 2015 one person living on a street in Hull complained that they were paying more council tax than all of their neighbours um, they went to the council and the council upped all of their neighbours' council tax. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out that made their life a lot worse, I imagine. <laughs> okay, it is time for fact number three, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that the size of a rainbow can tell you how polluted the air is. So, so is the rainbow more of a prominent feature in a more polluted area? It's, it's not really easy for us to see, but if you're a scientist, you have the right equipment, you can see very small changes. Um, so if there are chemicals like acid rain, it would change the size of the droplets, which would change the size of the bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they look at that and they can tell exactly what chemicals are in the air. Wow. Do you know, um, like, double rainbows... 
you yeah. can get. Um, actually, this isn't double rainbows, twin rainbows, which is a slightly different thing. You can have two rain showers that are kind of near each other, one with small raindrops and one with fat raindrops, and they will give you two different rainbows. And they'll start in the same bottom left-hand corner or bottom right-hand corner, and they'll come round, and one will be higher than the other. Wow. That's called a twin rainbow. Oh, yeah, I've seen so one of cool. those before. Have you? Yeah. They're quite rare. Yeah, I mean, it was... I, I saw it once, and that's it. Yeah. Great. Where did you see it? Um, I think it was in Austria at the time. Really? Yeah. I, I really like James's tone when he went, they're quite rare. Like, <laughs> I think you probably just saw a double rainbow, Dan. Um, because, they, yeah, that's unbelievable. So it looks like it's sprouting from the same origin, but then it sprouts into two different rainbows. No, I wasn't listening. What was I? I've seen a really big rainbow. Is it. what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you how much you're joking now. So you can get a quadruple rainbow. Wow. Okay. There was a photograph online of a quadruple rainbow. It wasn't really a quadruple rainbow. It was just four rainbows. <laughs> you can see why they mistook that. Yeah, you can see it, but it was it was a rookie error. Mm-hmm. A photograph of, of a quadruple rainbow just looks like two rainbows, and the reason is that you've got two in front of you say the sun is behind you you've got two rainbows in front of you and then they reflect backwards and so the other two are behind you so it's impossible to take a photo of them of all four of them at the same time oh. unless you do like a panoramic picture yeah. um, and they're extremely 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 rare so yeah. you've probably only seen a few of those I've days. seen six of those <laughs> no more there's, I think there's only one photograph of them ever right and it's only of two of them it's not of the other two. Oh, okay <laughs> why because the camera couldn't get them in because two are in front of you and two are always behind you <laughs> Dan have you been listening to any of this you literally <laughs> just explained that <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know you can get white rainbows? So this is that's a, a cloud, mate. That you saw cloud. <laughs> no, 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 Dan. These are they're big and fluffy, and they float in the sky. <laughs> uh, no, they are. These are like rainbows. They get called fog bows. Okay, so if you've got fog mm. in the air, that's where the water droplets hanging in the air are incredibly microscopically tiny. So you do get the rainbow effect, but they're so small that they don't actually show color. Yeah. Wow. They are stunning. You can get all red rainbows as well. <laughs> Just a single red. Terrifying. I know. Oh, that's cool. And a lot shorter song as it- well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're sort of evening time, aren't they? So it depends where the sun is in the sky, the kind of color of your rainbow. They gradually start to lose their colors one by one, don't they? The yeah. shorter wavelengths die first. I was, <laughs> that's I was... a good title for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's... a murder set at a radio station, a murder mystery. The shorter wavelengths die first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in Norway, where they've just turned off their FM. so it's a Scandi noir drama (laughs) but it's kind of also about the progress of technology and leaving behind it's got lots of layers like a rainbow (laughs) (laughs) Um, just on the red rainbow there's actually a physicist who in his lab has been creating red rainbows as well using lasers he's a physicist at the von Karman Institute for Fluid Dynamics in Belgium and he shoots uh, a laser into a droplet Um, And so he gets these tiny rainbows that are all red. And he says that the form of the rainbow, under those kind of controlled conditions, you can precisely determine what shape it's going to be, what size it's going to be, what the composition and temperature of it is, purely by looking at the droplet before it's Mm, sprayed out. How cool is that? I would say that's like a really small version of this thing, which is that the size of the droplets and what they're composed of depends on what the rainbow looks like on a bigger scale as well. And that's how you can tell all the pollution and stuff. Right, okay. So he says, just to put it into super cool 
dorky words uh, for this particular small mm-hmm. one that he does in the lab. Every single droplet has its own unique rainbow fingerprint already in it. Oh, so cool. Do you guys like rainbows? <laughs> Quick question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm I'm more for them than against them. Yeah. Right, that's two yeses. I'm a huge yes. Okay. Three. Well, not everyone likes rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is um, uh, something from Amazonian cultures, and rainbows there are very bad luck, as in they're associated with skin problems, with having miscarriages if you're pregnant. How could they, this doesn't make any sense. They're so clearly such a positive, happy okay. vision. I don't know. I think it's one of those glass half empty things because it's caused by sunshine and rain. Mm. Now, if it's always sunny and then you get some rain, okay. then it could be a bad thing. But if it's always rainy like it is in Britain, then the fact that there's a rainbow means at least there's some sun around. Okay. okay. This is from Wikipedia, I should say. So, right. mm. But there is a saying... Um, Rainbows are shit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How does that translate? <laughs> there are diseases in one Peruvian language called Iona Achatan, which means the rainbow hurt my skin. Wow. That's what you might say to the doctor. Yeah. And it's traditional to close your mouth at a rainbow, otherwise you'll catch a disease. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm just saying they're not all good. So the Skittles mm. adverts over there would not have gone down well at all, would they? Do not taste the rainbow. <laughs> um, so the rainbow flag um, for Pride um, has all the rainbow colours and it used to have a shocking pink um, band. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the reason they did away with that is because they couldn't mass produce the pink cloth. Oh. Yeah. All the others were easy to make, but this was a cloth that wasn't very easy to make because the first guy who did it, he kind of made it himself just a one-off. He didn't think of it being a mass-produced thing. And then it became really popular and they needed to make loads of them, but they couldn't get the pink. It was after the Stonewall riots, wasn't it? Yeah. That suddenly in the late 70s, suddenly there was this massive demand for these flags wow. and they couldn't get it. But then it had... So how many colours do you think are in the flag now? I think seven. Um... <laughs> Six. Did you just sing the rainbow <laughs> song and still come up with six? I took out. Yeah. I took out one. Did you? Why? Any reason? I, well, I put white in. To <laughs> since I've learned about some new should, rainbow. You should have come up with eight then. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't sing the full song. I kind of backed out and thought I feels like there's only a few left. Oh, gee, hang on, Dan. I think we need to test something quickly. What are the colours in a rainbow? Oh no. <laughs> Red and yellow and pink. No. Oh, no. Red well, actually, all the colours are in the rainbow. No, hang yeah. on, hang on, hang on. It is pink, isn't it? No, there's no pink no. in the rainbow. Red, and red yellow, orange, red. yellow, green, blue. Wait, what's the song? Violet. What's the song? Oh, the yeah. song is not the actual colours of the rainbow. That's just a fun song you learn as a Hang child. on, was I singing the right lyrics, though? You no, were the, singing the, the right lyrics. Song. Okay, okay. all right. Green. Now who's the fool? But the colours <laughs> in the rainbow are red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. That's the colours that you learn. Although, actually, you know, it's just emerging. I'd like to jump ship to the Anna's fact that that is correct. I, too, was fooled by the song. <laughs> what a lie of a song! Yeah, Just take yeah. something that things people need to remember in day to day life. <laughs> it's like having a song: January and February and orange and purple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is mean, and I can understand why you thought that it went red, orange, whatever the song goes. So, so what is it? So it's there are 
seven colours in the rainbow, red, yeah. orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And the pride flag used to have, as we've said, it used to have eight because it had these and the hot pink. Mm. And then it went down to seven. But then it only has six colours in it now, which I'd never noticed. Do you think that maybe it wasn't that the material was too expensive? It's that the creator of the flag also was basing it off the song. <laughs> and then someone said, what's pink doing there? And he thought, oh, yeah, that's like, we can't stay anyway. It's so expensive. Um, so, no, it wasn't because of that. He knew the colours of the rainbow, this guy. Um, the reason they lost the next colour was because when the flag was round around poles, then one colour would get lost because it would be wound around the pole. Um, so they needed an even number of colours, basically. Because it must be otherwise, a pole it wasn't a vertical stripe, was it? It wasn't a vertical. No. It must be a... A it horizontal said, pole, the, maybe. What it said was, when hung vertically from the lamppost of San Francisco's Market, Market Street, yeah. the centre stripe. So if it was hung vertically, the centre stripe went around the pole. Oh, okay. And so they decided they needed an even number so right. that that middle stripe wasn't kind of, I don't know, didn't disappear into the pole. Yeah. That was why they did it. And Philadelphia this year has added a couple of extra colours to their flag that they have been using mm-hmm. um, as a nod to racial diversity. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So they they've added? gone up to eight, I think, again. Oh, really? Yeah. So they, they've added brown and black. Right. They stand for, the other colours stand for really fun stuff, don't they? Yeah. But it's such a shame they lost the pink because, so the person who designed it said that the hot pink stood for sex. So the others stand for life, healing, sunlight, nature, magic, serenity, and spirit. But they've lost the sex They now. should have got rid of the magic one. Get rid of, why is magic even in there? <laughs> I'm glad that stayed. Oh, God. That's good. <laughs> um, the other thing is that we were saying about there being seven colours in the rainbow. Um, I think that was Newton who decided that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the reason being, we think, probably just because seven was like a magical number. It was like the seven seas, the seven, you know. It's his favourite, yeah, it's his favourite number. It's just a good number. And so he kind of looked and decided there were seven distinct bands. And actually, if you look at a rainbow, you can decide really yourself how many bands there are. There's yeah. pretty much an infinite number. Although I always, because I think we've done that on QI, and so I always look at rainbows and think, okay, get beyond the seven thing. Newton just made it up. But I still only ever see seven colours. I can't see more or less. Really? No. Yeah. Yeah. He passed away this year. Newton. Newton. Yeah, sorry to break it to you. Yeah, (laughs) He had a good innings. (laughs) Gilbert Baker, who is the creator of the rainbow flag, uh, passed away this year, sadly. Yeah. Oh, Oh. Newton as well in the same year. (laughs) It's been a big... 2017! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact... My fact this week is that a new study has revealed that the genre of music with the most references to drugs is country music. (laughs) Country music has, according to this survey, 1.6 mentions per song on average of drug usage. And they did a list of genres uh, which used most drug references. So it started with country music, then jazz, then pop, electronic, rock, folk, and then at last, rap. You missed out other. Yeah, I know. I wasn't... Because uh... <laughs> that's my favourite genre. <laughs> other is, uh, yeah, other is just underneath rock, but above folk. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I thought country was folk, so I'm on a learning curve today. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that is unbelievable, though. I think that's really amazing. That rap has the fewest references. Yeah. I think some people have looked at the methodology of this and aren't sure how I mean, it's ended up, right? We were talking about this, weren't we? It just seems so unbelievable that this is well, the they, case. Well, what they did, they took, didn't they, the lyrics of many, many thousands of songs, and they had a list of drug-related words, quite a lot of drug-related words that they plugged in, and then they went through manually making sure that... You know, if someone says reefer, they're not actually singing a song about um, a the coral co- reef. The, coral the per- reef. man yeah. who works on a coral reef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of rap songs are about people who work on coral reefs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably why. So, yeah, it is. But um, I wondered if the methodology went wrong in that they're not cool enough to understand some of the more modern drug references because right. they came up with this list of 65 names for drugs. And so the examples that were in this article were things like Addy, Blow, Molly, Roxy, and Sizzurp, S I double Z U R P. So if they feature in a song, that's that counts Wait, as a drug. But, but maybe rap's just using way more modern, cool slang what? for drugs <laughs> Wait, that these why? guys don't what? know about. As opposed to Sizzurp, the classic 1920s <laughs> slang for what? What is? I've never up? heard Sizzurp before, and you're saying it like it's a hackneyed old term. Yeah. That, well, no, it's, no, it's no, such no. a good word to rhyme with, yeah, which is why it's used so often. About burping, <laughs> <laughs> then you're gonna need a Sizzurp. It's the only thing that rhymes. Yeah, yeah. What is? It? I don't know what no, a scissor no. is. I mean, either. I don't think anyone has ever heard of scissor except the person who wrote whatever song refers to it. And then I'm just saying that, like, they've got this list, but maybe they've missed things out that mm. rap's using. I think they also used a lot of songs, perhaps you wouldn't hear on normal country music stations. Yes. Ah. Um, and actually, the more popular ones probably aren't about scissor and the other drugs. <laughs> But they weren't counting, because they had a list of the drugs that they were looking for as well, and they didn't mm. include alcohol. But I reckon if you yeah. throw alcohol in, you know, country music has quite a lot of references to that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. tons. So I've just Googled Scissorp. Yeah. Yeah, it is a purple drink, a mix of codeine-based prescription cough syrup, soda, and often Jolly Ranchers candy. It sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but That's... don't do it, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds so country, though. Jolly Ranchers candy and then some prescription drugs. Yeah. Classic country music. <laughs> you can't really imagine Snoop Dogg on the scissor, could you? <laughs> that's, but weirdly, that's a word that's closely... I would associate more with Snoop than Scissor else. dessert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting. I wonder if in other... Um, reggae's not on this list. Blues is not on this list. Have yeah. they all been lumped into other? So Very blues odd. would be in jazz. I guess so, yeah. Reggae. Classical. Know, that would be. Classical. Yeah. Where's classical in there? <laughs> yeah. Symphony for scissor in D minor. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were saying about the words that they use. Um, did you mm-hmm. see that America's Drug Enforcement Administration have made a dictionary of slang drug terms this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if any of these are in it. Uh, whiffle dust. Oh, Bernie's nice. flakes. I wonder if any of these are in. Bernie's is that named after flakes. Bernie? Bernie, uh, Sanders. Right. Bernie Sanders. Well, I don't know. It's uh, it means cocaine. Yeah, that's Bernie's flakes. But then they're the people who were going to show up to vote for Bernie Sanders in the American primaries, <laughs> but then didn't. <laughs> um, they were too off their heads. <laughs> Aunt Hazel means heroin. I wonder uh, if that's in any of those songs. Smoochy woochie poochie means Aunt, cannabis. Aunt Hazel. Aunt Hazel. That yeah. explains what my uncle Ian was up to. <laughs> <laughs> Because his wife's called Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> but every night he was having a night in with Aunt Hazel. Smoochy Woochy Poochy feels like it would be a good name of a song. Maybe a Eurovision hit. Yeah. Yeah. But what if you're just really loved up and you're walking down the street with your partner and you say, I'll oh, give us a smoochy woochy poochy and you're immediately arrested by one of these you, guys. You deserve memorized. to be immediately arrested if you're saying to your loved one in public, give us a smoochy woochy poochy. 
But I would say that that's probably true of lots of slang terms for drugs, right? Yeah. Mm. So if you do a song called Weed into a tennis ball can, (laughs) (laughs) they might think it's about drugs. That's true. Okay, that is it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we have said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland. James. At Eggshaped. Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. And Chazinski. You can email podcast at qi.com. Yep, or you can go to our group Twitter account, which is at QI Podcast. You can also go to our Facebook page, where we have all of our Facebook lives every Friday afternoon. And you can also go to our website, no such thing as a fish.com, where you can find links to our ticket sales for our tour, as well as the book that we are releasing in November. You can pre order that now. We will be back again next week. We'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>